Welcome to Fone Zosa, the CoinGreek.com podcast. And this is actually the first episode of Fone Zosa. And as such, I figured I should start by actually explaining what the name of the podcast means. So Fone Zosa literally means living voice. And it's a phrase taken from ancient authors from around, you know, the Koine period, Byzantine period. And it's meant to contrast in-person living experience learning from secondhand sort of book knowledge and just sort of flat information. Uh, for example, uh, Papias, around the 2nd century CE, writes this, Ugarta ecton viblion tosuton meo felinu pelambanon, osonta para zoses fones gemenuses. Meaning, uh, for, I, for I was not assuming that that which is gotten from books would help me as much as that which comes from phone zosa or zosa phone from a living voice, gemenuses, an abiding one. Um, and you see this again and again in different authors. Galen talks about it. Numerous authors talk about this phone zosa or zosa phone, which presumably is, you know, learning from somebody face to face, somebody teaching you as opposed to just reading about it in books. And of course, for those of my listeners who know koinegreek.com, you know that we're, um, we're all about learning uh, from a living voice, para fones zoses. And the idea is that we don't have to just learn Koine, Greek uh, learn Koine Greek from books and from paradigms and grammars, but we can actually jump back into the language and, and learn it as a living language, right? The slogan of, of the website is Koine Greek is not a dead language. So this podcast, sometimes I'll do it in English, sometimes I'll do it in Koine Greek, but the idea of the podcast is to give you more and more um, tools and, and information and, and whatever you need to kind of get into that world of Koine Greek immersion. Now, the reason I'm doing this one in English is because it's all about teaching your children how to speak Koine Greek and kind of going back through um, how I taught my son, who's now three years old, Koine Greek, and I'm still teaching him and I'm still learning from it myself from that whole process. So um, so we'll jump right in then to the first first episode now after that little explanation of Fone Zosa. Um, so you can see the accompanying blog post on, on the website. It's called Where is the Draft? Teaching a Toddler to Speak Koine Greek, Koine Greek Children's Books, and, and, and more. And I call it this Where is the Draft? Because that's one of the first things I used, uh, methods to teach my son Koine Greek. Now, how did this all start? I mean, first, um, I've been speaking Koine Greek for probably around a decade now. I think I started back in 2000 and... Um, 2010, around there, um, 2011 maybe, 2011 I think it was, yeah, 2011, um, doing a, a workshop with Biblical Language Center, Randall Booth, and, and and them, with whom I still work, and then I've just been speaking and teaching it ever since. I'm also a classics major, so that has the background of, of Greek as well, but so I've been speaking it for around 10 years, and then a couple years ago, my son had just turned one, and there were kind of a couple different things that led me to start teaching him Koine Greek. I had been doing some work, I think, if I'm remembering rightly, with the uh, um, conversation manuals, the Colloquia of the Hermenevmata Pseudosociana that Eleanor Dickey edited in our ancient Greco-Roman conversational manuals used by um, Greek speakers to learn Latin and Latin speakers to learn Greek, and they're excellent. I have some material on that on the website. And, and so that gives you a lot of everyday sort of conversation. So I was doing that, um, and I thought, you know, it's probably about time to teach, to start doing another language with my son. And I thought, I want to grow in my Greek fluency. 
And so all these things, I'm not sure exactly the order, but they were all kind of happening around the same time. And so I thought, you know what, my son's good with language. He, you know, he does seem to have a, a, a good ability with, with English. And so I'll, you know, I'll start trying Greek. So I think it was a little bit after he had turned one years old and I thought, okay, I'm just going to start. So I started, you know, replicating some of the things that I would do, um, maybe if I were teaching Greek, but kind of, you know, with the understanding that this is a, a child. Um, and so I'm just going to kind of go through some of the things that I did and maybe it can help you if you want to do the same thing with your child. I know for me, teaching my son Koine Greek was one of the best things that I've done for my own Koine Greek fluency and my own speaking. It's helped me learn a lot. It's expanded my vocabulary, made me much more comfortable. So don't, don't just think of this as what you're doing to help your children, but by teaching your child Koine Greek, by introducing that into your everyday life, it will help your own Koine Greek knowledge and fluency a lot. So I think the first things I did were just take really basic phrases um, that could be associated with certain actions and I would speak them to my son. So if he was wanting to get up out of his crib or caught if you're in the UK, um, we'd say ano, right, just for up. And, you know, I'd pick him up and when he wanted to go down, I would say gato, you know, do you want to get down and, and so forth. And then pretty soon he started saying it as well. You know, I said enough repetition, then he would go ano, you know, he'd get up from his crib and go, ah, no. And the same thing, if I'm holding him, he wants to get down and play, he'd go, gato. And then another thing, I think when I was, um, you know, playing on the ground, crawling and chasing him around, I would say things like, uh, you know, I'm going to overtake you, I'm going to get you. I'd go crawl after him. And then you do that enough. So then when you say it without indicating what you're going to do, then he starts crawling away like he's running away. And so they kind of associate these little short phrases with actions. And, you know, that's common. We know in, in um, second language acquisition and, and teaching um, as a living language, we often use imperatives to get students into the language first. I did that with my son as well. And uh, so I would say, you know, um, that, but, but that really came later. I didn't do too many imperatives right at the beginning. I, I wanted to get just more concrete vocabulary in there. So the next thing I did, or at the same time, I think was just a, a bunch of different nouns I I got him just used to identifying them. So as a, uh, you know, a little boy, one year old, he obviously had many toys around the house. And so I would just point to the different toys and identify them. So if he had a giraffe, a little plastic toy, um, I would say, you know, camelo pardalis. If he had a bear, arcos, you know, and, um, and different things like that with his different toys and animals mainly. And then I started doing that again and again and again to identify them. And then I would put multiple ones next to each other and then ask him to find which one I was talking about by uh, by saying, Puestin, Puestine Camelo Pardalis. Then you'd have to go and pick that one out. And then, you know, Puestino Arcos. You have to find the bear and so on and so forth. Now this, you know, I'm speaking through it now quite quickly, but it, it, it wasn't quick at the start. You know, you have to do that again and again and again. So maybe you're saying these things, you know, 10, 20, 50, 100 times for them to get the repetition and then they can pick it out and and go from there. Um, and then I think kind of then is the next stage, I started doing more uh, imperatives again. But the thing is uh, often imperatives are kind of superfluous in communication, right? We don't, we, we often signify through our body language or other contextual clues what we're meaning and, um, and the imperative isn't really necessary. So that's also a good way to get children to, to hear Greek and get used to it. So basic things like elfe, come here, 
And then also note, this is actually an important kind of aspectual difference in, in Koine Greek, el the, meaning just come right here, I'm waiting for you, come here, versus erhu, which can mean come along or come in order to do something else. I mean, there's going to be overlap between these two. They're not, you know, mutually exclusive in the sorts of context they in which they occur. But sometimes this is one thing that you find is stylistically, even if, you know, aspectual differences in imperatives might let you use one and or the other in, in various situations, you kind of start to default to using one in one context and one in another. And I think that in many cases mimics what what ancient authors were doing. So for me, my style is I say el fe, meaning to come here, and erhu, if I'm meaning come along. And I think you'll find that supported in, in Koine Greek literature, even if not everyone follows that style. And I would give another example. For example, if you take something like, this is kind of a bit of a tangent, but verbs like yinosko, I know, and ida, I know, there's, there's distinctions you can make. You can say ida is more sort of uh, sorry, yinosko is more sort of acquired knowledge, whereas ida is more sort of perceptual knowledge. But, you know, that's not always true. And and sometimes it's just stylistic. For example, I think Epictetus, in his writings, you'll find that he almost always uses ida, idas, iden, um, and almost never uses yinosko if we're talking about sort of pragmatically the present right now. I know, you know, indicative. He uses yinosko in other contexts, um, you know, maybe subjunctive or other, other forms, but if you're talking about the right now, I know, he knows, you know, uh, that's not that's not something he uses yinosko for, he usually uses ida, no matter the meaning, whether it's acquired knowledge or sort of perceptual knowledge. Again, th those distinctions don't always line up, and, and so sometimes these things can be stylistic, and that's another thing that comes from, you know, speaking Koine Greek daily with, with your children is you start to maybe develop your own style, and then you can see if your style mimics things that happened in the ancient world, and if it doesn't, then you change it. If it, if it does, then you say, oh, that's great. <laughs> so things like that, delfe, erhu, um, then lave, take, and then um, going on those conversational conversation manuals, taking things that are just really common everyday tasks that are part of our routine, and just using the commands um, to say to my son, you know, do this before we do it, and obviously I'm going to lead him along in it, you know, like, Nipsetas giras, wash your hands, or enduseta get dressed, and things like that. And that can kind of get those basic verbs associated with those actions. Now, over time, eventually, you can then start describing what you need to do and what you are doing as you're doing it. So, for example, um, you know, at night before bed, diemas trivintus odondas, we need to brush teeth teeth, or diemas alaxetein panan, we need to change your diaper. For there I use the modern Greek word for diaper or nappy if you're in the UK. Um, and, you know, diemas endisas teimatia, we need to get dressed. Diemas nipsas giras, we need to wash hands. Nynthelomen fagin ariston, nynthelomen fagin ariston, now we want to eat lunch. Nynthelomen apelthin exo, now we want to go outside. And so I can kind of narrate events by saying what we need to do, what we're going to do, what we want to do throughout the day. So they start associating those phrases, those verbs, those words with those activities. And then you can describe it in real time, right? Nin, trivomen tusodondas, we're brushing our teeth. Estiomen um, ariston, we're eating lunch. And, and so on and, and so forth. And then you can even, I mean, doing that with really clearly physical activities is also really helpful, right? So, alometha, um, we're jumping. You know, trechomen, we're running. Trechomen is we're running to the playground. All these sorts of things. And then 
when you've done that for a while, and now I'm not talking like an hour or two, I'm talking day after day after day doing this. You know, I think I was speaking probably more than 25% of the day in Greek with my son, maybe in some days more than half the time, maybe some days 75% of the time. I mean, I was really uh, sticking to it in these early days because I thought that was so important. And, and as you do that and you do those phrases more and more and more, then eventually what you can do is shift to asking questions about them and asking your child what they want to do. So things like, um, do you want to go outside? Or do you want to eat lunch? And then, what do you want to eat? Or where do you want to go? And then over time, you know, because you've described so much, you know, for weeks and weeks, what you've been doing every day, and you've been narrating it and, and talking about it as you've been doing it, you can kind of help them along with the answer. And maybe you need to, you know, sense what they're wanting to answer and give them that. So if you think um, your child is saying, oh, I want to go to the playground, but they don't know how to say it, you say, And again, you know, this is all about patience, right? You know, maybe it takes um, 500 times of your child hearing you say those things for them to be able to speak it themselves. Maybe they need help with every word to, to elicit some answers. And that's fine. You know, you have a lifetime to do this. So um, the key is patience. I mean, I'm speaking through this so quickly, but it's really recounting, you know, what has been years now of, of doing this with, with a, lot of, um, a lot of time and a lot of repetition. And then one, one other thing that I did that I think was really, really important is my son watched and listened to a lot of authentic Koine Greek material. Now, I was still making some of these things, um, you know, um, after, well, I was teaching my son Greek, these cartoons that we have on KoineGreek.com, uh, children's cartoons. You can go to KoineGreek.com slash kids. There's a link there. It'll take you to the cartoons that are child-friendly. Um, there's some cartoons I have that you might debate whether or not it's child-friendly, so I don't include those in there. For example, the the martyrdom of, of Polycarp from the Apostolic Fathers, that has, you know, at the end, Polycarp is, is, is killed at the stake, and there's one scene of him actually getting a dagger in the side. So I don't include that in the children's uh, videos, because obviously parents can decide differently on, on something like that. When, when my son would watch that Polycarp, I would usually try to cover up the last scene, because, you know, he's still young. Um, but... And then there's other things like the Gospel of Mark film. A lot of that is ch child friendly, but it's not, um, you know, uh, it's not included in there because, of course, there's the crucifixion at the end and different things like that. So, you know, you can use your, your judgment. But the things that are in the child um, videos section, go to coinagreek.com/kids. You can click on it. Um, those are all friendly. You know, there's nothing, nothing alarming going to be there. Nothing that you have to debate about or cover up or decide. Um, so I had my son listen to a lot and and watch these cartoons, you know, as one-year-old, two-year-old. And again, you know, sometimes maybe that's too young to be watching, so you maybe want to listen more, or, you know, if you feel like you have to watch something, you know, why not learn to uh, speak Koine Greek? Um, but again, that just led to hours and hours and hours of getting this Koine Greek authentic language in him, because these are cartoons of biblical stories and, and things like that, where it's authentic Greek, just hearing it again and again and again. And you can find a, a blog post I wrote about my two-year-old even quoting the Septuagint to me um, in a different context, you know, when I was talking about, uh, I think it was uh, licking an apple. Um, Elixa domelon, we were sitting on the couch and I had a toy apple. And then he said something like, um, 
Excelix and Dopur, meaning the fire licked up, like lapped up. It's like, what is that? And I realized he was quoting from uh, Elijah and the Prophets of Baal's story, where the fire consumes the sacrifice. Um, and I thought, oh, wow, he made that association. Um, and then there was another one where I think, you know, he had watched the Gospel of Mark movie parts of it and, and heard it a lot. And then I had started recording Matthew and we were listening to the beginning of Matthew and we got to chapter three, which obviously has some parallels with Mark. And he said, hey, that's Katamarkon. And so you could tell that he had had Katamarkon, Gospel of Mark, so internalized in him that when he got to Matthew, the parallel, he was able to identify similarities and it, and it, rang, and it resonated for him. So I can't um, emphasize that enough, giving, you know, as much as you can, this kind of authentic input of Koine Greek into uh, your children um, will will help them because at least, you know, my child, I assume it's this case with, with, with many, many children, they're like, you know, these sponges that just take this in and, um, and, and they can then spit it back out and try to use it um, as they can. Now, another thing, and this is something that you'll be in a better position than I was, is reading books, right? So kids love reading children's books, illustrated pages, and so on and so forth. Now, I didn't have much of this when I first started. And so basically what I would do is I would take the children's books that we like to read, and I would just translate them into Greek on the spot as we were reading. Now, that was extremely exhausting and really difficult. So I wouldn't recommend doing that. And sometimes I had to skip over things and just, you know, summarize things. Um, but that's one of the reasons we, I've started making children's books in, in Koine Greek so that you can get them. So there's, I've done four so far, one, uh, learning the alphabet, where it's just a letter and then a word with its picture per page for the Greek alphabet. One about, uh, just simple, you know, everyday things. Where do the animals live? Right. And so you have, you know, where does the camel live? And I started reading that with my son recently and, and then, and so you go through, you know, asking about where each animal lives, and then there's a picture of them living in that environment, and you answer it, and then we got outside, and we saw a nest in a tree, and I said, oh, aquí está neosia, a nest, there's a nest, and then I would say, ti katyuki ente neosia, you know, and I think he needed a little help, and I said, okay, you know, petinon, a bird, petinon katyuki en neosia, and then just to kind of test it to see how much he had internalized, I said, ah, pu katyuki o camelos. And then he was able to answer. So these little things that, you know, kind of go go along with the world of children can really help. And, and you'll find that as you read these little children's books in Koine Greek again and again and again, it will help your Greek a lot because it'll take so many of these things and just make them second nature. And we so often, you know, we in these in beginner's Greek courses and in, in our learning and grammars, we focus so much on, you know, these high-level uh language context, you know, talking about righteousness and justification and literary narrative and all of these things, but we forget that ancient Koine Greek speakers learned these basic, there's a fox, there's a bear, there's a piece of bread, really early on, and their life was full of those things, and they probably had a vocabulary of, you know, 50, 100, 200, 500 different animals and plants and trees and nature and all sorts of those things before they ever progressed to understanding these bigger abstract concepts. So doing these children's books and that way can also help give you repetition um, in that way too. Um, now, another thing I did, I, I remember when I was early on with this, is I took a, um, I forget the publisher now, but it was this really nice illustrated book of Aesop's Fables for Children, and I just found kind of the most Koine Greek version of Aesop's Fables, because there's different versions in, in the ancient world and even medieval times, and I took that and I literally cut it out and 
printed, cut it out, and pasted it in on each page with the tape so I could read it in Greek. And that, that was actually really helpful as well. And maybe, you know, maybe I'll make an Aesop's Fables book for, for children too. Uh, so, so books books is really helpful to get another way of getting that repetition, both for you and, and your child and, and doing it together again and again. The repetition is really good. And then last, I would say singing songs. You know, I sing a lot of um, songs to my son in Greek. Most of these are just different um, portions of scripture set to a melody. Uh, some of these, um, you know, you just kind of come up over, come up with over time. Others I've taken from people, um, you know, from Biblical Language Center that I learned there are Jordan Ashkifiak and Omi Lean. Uh, he's done some good songs uh, with his with his wife Joe. Um, they've done them together really nice. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, so um, so yeah, so that that was also really helpful in songs again and again and again. Another way to give, you know, these things that'll just stick with your children. So that's that's kind of you know, a list of more or less seven of the main things I did. You can see these enumerated on the on the corresponding blog post on coinigreek.com slash blog. But um, I, I should say, you know, every child is different, right? You know, I'm seeing now that my daughter, she's one, little over one, um, you know, the age she was when I started teaching my son Koine Greek. But I can see that her language ability isn't the same as his at this stage, and I might do it differently with her right? So you have to know your own child and you have to be patient and it's not going to be the same for everyone. And you can start, I'm sure, much later and it'd be fine, you know? And I, I should note though, just it, it does take a lot of patience and it does take a lot of persistence. As I mentioned, I probably spent at least 25% of every single day, maybe I took a break here or there, but almost every single day, at least 25% of my communication was with, uh, with my son was in Koine Greek and it lasted for months, I would say, you know, for a long, long time. I'm not sure. I don't remember how long I kept that up, but it, I think it was months. Um, and, and I just thought it was really important at the beginning stages to do it that way. And then after, you know, many, many months now it's, it's a little bit more lax, you know, I can kind of take a day off here or there and, and not do as much and then come back to it. And it's fine. You know, maybe there's a little rust, but it's been really well internalized in him. So he, he gets it pretty well. And, Oh, I forgot to mention the other two books. Um, the other two books, uh, one, Josephus, a little short kind of biography of, of Josephus. I say that because I was reminded of reading that just the other day with him and um, and how he you know, could get right back into that and, and enjoy that. So a little short biography of Josephus, kind of just going through the basic facts of his life, sort of based off of, you know, what would it like to take, what would it be like to take the Greco-Roman vios genre, the biography genre, and convert it into a children's book. There's that, and so the four books, then the alphabet, the Pukatikita Zoa, where did the animals live, the uh, Josepos, the Josephus book, and then I have one more, which is uh, Paraboletus Virandos, the parable of the sower. So I, I also read that with my son, of um, just the parable of the sower, you know, in, in a short illustrated children's book, and again, it's great for repetition. So just that patience, it, it may take a really long time of doing a lot of this every day, um, consistently for a long time. Um, to really see the the fruit from it, but it's it's been probably you know one of the best, if not the best, things I've done for my own Greek ability. It's just made me so much more comfortable in Koine Greek speaking and and in my fluency. And it's been a lot of fun to share it with my son. It's been really a blessing in that sense. I've really enjoyed getting to spend all this time um, having my little Greek buddy uh, with me. You know, I'm excited to do something like this with my daughter too, whether in Greek or Hebrew, it's just, it just gives you kind of a nice, fun connection. And, um, 
and yeah, but again, it, it takes patience. And so I, I would encourage you, if anybody has questions, um, please comment in the blog, um, on the forum on codinggreek.com. I'd be happy to answer um, if you have questions on, on how to do this. Remember, every child is different and there's going to be different results. Um, there's going to be a different process. And I don't even know in terms of how much what I did lines up with second language acquisition theory or not, but it, it worked well. Now my son and I can speak on so many different realms and activities. We can do so many different things in Koine Greek. If we had to, we could probably conduct our entire day in Koine Greek. My son would obviously not be able to speak as much as he would in English, but much less, but I could at least talk about all what we're doing and instruct him and he could listen to me and you know, occasionally you'd have to ask a word, but we could, we could do a lot, maybe not everything, but a lot of our day in Koine Greek. And, you know, I can say things like, you want to go to the playground? Fellow, he says, you know, and, and all sorts of different things um, that, uh, that we can do together. So I hope this is helpful and look forward to seeing your responses.